0: Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee. Amy's out this week, but she will be back next time. And uh, today we're joined by James Campbell. He's the Director of Innovation and Sustainability for Rocky Mountain Power, our local electric utility. We're going to talk about National Drive Electric Week and the next phase of what will be our driving experience. James, thank you for being here. And I'm kind of excited about this because I I want electric vehicles so badly, but as yet I'm not ready to afford one. But uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and and kind of what it is you do uh, at the utility and and what's what are we looking at going forward with National Drive Electric Week?
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Jason, and thanks for having me this morning. I Really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk and and share ideas, especially uh, topics that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is a I think it's a great and and uh, National Drive Electric Week, which is uh, kind of launching this weekend, goes for the whole week to really highlight the potential of electric vehicles and the transformation that's happening with uh, uh, electric transportation in general. And mm-hmm. so so this is pretty exciting. So as you mentioned, I'm the the Director of Innovation and Sustainability, which is uh, kind of a, a mouthful. But primarily what I work on is what are the new technologies that are kind of coming down the pipe and, and how is it going to affect both the electrical systems and, and, and the electrical grid and then how do we integrate that into and into our organization and how do we come up with appropriate policies and programs to be able to manage that. So it's, it's really looking at next, next generation technology mm-hmm. and how do we incorporate that. And so electric vehicles is one of those kind of next generation technologies that isn't so much next generation anymore. They're actually starting to come there's out. There's plenty of them out there. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, so we're really excited. So some of the things that I've done is, as I mentioned, we, we have some programs here in Utah for Rocky Mountain Power to really help put in some electric vehicle infrastructure to really bring in that that base support. And we've actually been doing quite a bit in Utah. A lot of people don't don't realize that how much Utah has done uh, for in this field, and a lot of it was. We kind of got early in that in that business, so to speak, where we we offered up some programs to help bring some uh, charging infrastructure. And Utah actually we, – we started about 2016 working on that. And back then in 2016, Utah had about 0.2 percent electric vehicles mm-hmm. of, of sales. And so in about three or four years, that's jumped up to now about 3 percent.
0: Because so, people think of California, I would imagine, mostly for the, the uh proliferation of electric vehicles, if such a thing can be said, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And a lot of that's basically policy driven. I mean some of it's cultural too. They like new innovation. A lot mm-hmm. of the the technologies have been coming out of California, but but it's also been driven by uh policies from the state. Utah's been a little unique. We've had more it's been driven more by the private sector not really kind of direct you know regulations okay. that, that we don't have, and, and as I mentioned, Utah is about three percent you know sales now of of new sales or EVs. We're actually among the highest for states that don't have state policies requiring or, or mandating or or some kind of incentive. So these are EV people incentive. who
0: are are just wanting electric vehicles.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a combination. Why Utah? The, the combination is because we we're we're putting in infrastructure cuz that that's one of those those kind of right. important things you got to be able to to plug in an electric vehicle you got to be able to refuel it and so we've been putting in infrastructure so that's a kind of a, a fundamental and we have cheap electricity in Utah Fair and so those two things have, have kind of and and I think also the the demographic of Utah where kind of a younger mm-hmm. high tech you know that kind of um uh, demographic also kind of leans towards new technologies sure sure so early that, adopters think. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, so that kind of makes sense too so utah's really if if you actually look at all the states at where e v s are are coming on the roads right you got the coasts. The West Coast and a lot of that. There's st- state policies in the East Coast as well, but as I mentioned, Utah is, it has among the highest for a state that does not have a requirement, a, a direct mm-hmm. regulation, or an incentive for EVs. We don't have the state doesn't offer a state incentive, so it's just mostly how is the the market and the, and the two primary drivers in Utah to why is is because we have we have infrastructure to support them. Um, but we need more, <laughs> and of course, then, yeah. and we have cheap electricity, so it actually can can really make make economic sense.
0: As I, like for me, I notice uh, electric vehicles in my neighborhood a lot. Uh, I go to my gym. I am amazed. I remember when uh, when Tesla first came out, and I just picked them only because it's, they're unique enough vehicles that when you see them, you kind of notice what they are. And every now and then you'd see one, and now they're everywhere, or or so it seems. People they're not all new either. You know, people buy them used, and and that helps them <clears> as well. But now that a lot of the U.S. automakers, and, and uh, foreign ones too, I, I would say, they everybody's coming up with an EV. And so people are trying to use them as much as possible because now it would guess, uh, as expensive as it is, it becomes one of those propositions where it's economically feasible and it's, it's worth the extra uh, the money if it costs a little more to buy that new vehicle if you're going to have to have a new car anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the, the automakers, a lot of what's driving that is this – Right, with, with some of the environmental implications of the combust- in, internal combustion engine, both from greenhouse gas emissions, so climate change, but then mm-hmm. also with local emissions too. So a lot of our our air quality, um, although the wildfires well this summer kind of shows <laughs> right, that there right, right. can be, <clears throat> which is probably which is an effect of climate change as well. But 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 the biggest contributor to our local air quality is transportation emissions. So. So there's there's a real drive globally to move off of the internal combustion engine just for there's where where environmental is one of those big things. And, mm-hmm. and um also there's a, there's a big reason why China now is the largest auto market in the world, sure. and they don't have right uh, strategically. They don't have oil, so they want to get off of oil. Right, right. Who's all, it,
0: it all of the? I mean, that entire country, right? Yeah,
1: right. yeah. So, so they see it strategically, right? Europe is dr- is is moving toward electric vehicles primarily for environmental reasons. Mm-hmm. China is moving towards both. I mean, because China is also impacted by climate change as well, but but also strategic reasons because to not be dependent on foreign oil and also how to break into the electric or into the car market. The car market currently is dominated by China, That's Japan, right. and the US. Mm-hmm. And this is a way in that Chinese see this as a way in in manufacturing and they have a lot of supply of lithium as well. So, so there because lithium
0: is uh, <clears throat> the main uh, component for the, component batter- for the batteries. That's yeah, right. yes. yeah, yeah.
1: And so but so so they're helping push that globally. Even though a lot of the electric vehicle technology originally came from the United States mm-hmm. initially, and and if you look at California, that's been the biggest adopter in in the United States. And so they they've helped it. But but more recently, right? Europe has been pretty aggressive in China, and and most of that's been direct. Um, <clears throat> the government just kind of moving moving forward with mm-hmm. requirements, and so that's kind of driving a lot of that. <clears throat> Here in the United States, and there's a whole lot of reasons why right. <laughs> there's been a lot of resistance to move forward, and so it's been primarily uh, a, 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 a niche, you know, kind of subset. And also, some of, some of it was marketing, but also you had was the performance. I think one of the things that changed Because right, you
0: can't you, go very far. And some of the yeah, early iterations, yeah, yeah
1: especially the battery technology, mm-hmm. there were some limitations. And you mentioned Tesla. They really kind of changed that mold of, you know, you know, it was interesting. We did a focus group and we looked at, at just average folks, you know, what do they think about electric vehicles? And it was interesting at how you had – some folks who, who who were adamant they thought like a Toyota Prius was an electric vehicle even though it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid, right? And now. it's not, yeah. And so they so so there was these associations of a Prius as mm-hmm. an electric vehicle. So it's slow. It's a tin can. <laughs> it's it, not very big. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But one of the things that really happened, as you mentioned, Tesla they broke that mold. Yeah. And what they did was they showed that. Actually, uh, an electric motor is by far a superior performance to an internal combustion engine.
0: So when we come back, I want to discuss that because I've had the chance to uh, test drive a Tesla. And what you just said is so true. And it's it's, I wouldn't say it's a life changing experience. But man, oh, man, it is. It's so much fun. I will say that when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about learning how electric vehicle technology going to change our lives. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, uh, going solo today, joined by James Campbell, Director of Innovation and Sustainability at Rocky Mountain Power. We're talking uh, about electric vehicles. This is uh, Coming up is going to be uh, National Drive Electric Week. And sooner than later, uh, we are going to have this big shift from driving internal combustion engine cars, like with gasoline and uh, using petroleum, to driving electric vehicles. And uh, I know that I'm excited about this. And you you spoke in the last segment about you know how performance is going to change and and just people's perception of that car. I had an opportunity a couple of years ago uh, as I was uh, when I was a journalist uh, to drive a uh, Tesla. Now I will say that like going to the dealer, they put me in uh, the S90, which has two motors. Very unfair. Because when you get in it, you, you you I can't even imagine getting a one motor. I I can't even do it. So I get on the freeway, I hit the gas, with no sound, I am pushed back into this chair and I'm going sixty miles an hour in just about three seconds. And I thought, Oh my goodness. It it just it it was it felt exhilarating. And I thought to myself, and it was a big car, you know, this is a this is a sedan and it easily would seat five people, I mean, uh, and, and golf clubs, you know. So I'm I just want to get a sense from you, you know, we're we're moving away – at least the technology is developing fast enough that uh, American car makers in particular are saying by uh, 2025 they're going to have an entire fleet of, of vehicles you can choose from that will be electric. And, and right now we do see various automakers, uh, foreign and domestic, that have at least one of those vehicles, some of them more models. And this is even beyond what hybrid vehicles is what we're used to having where – uh, there's gasoline and electric uh what what's talk about about the uh the history of uh, vehicle transportation and kind of where it's going uh in, yeah in the yeah future. so
1: so if you go back to the turn of the century in like nineteen hundred most people got around by horse and buggy yeah, and so you actually in <clears throat> New York City they actually one of the things they had to deal with was like dead horses on the street, oh, on the street. <clears throat> Excuse me, and so the city, uh, like public works department, actually would have to dispose of about twenty thousand dead horses a year. So it was actually creating One of the a worst public, jobs
0: in all of cities. Yeah, it was creating
1: a public health issue. Not to oh, mention good. all the mess, mm-hmm. that, and there were people whose jobs it was to to go in and clean up. So with, with shovels, mm-hmm. so so ladies could cross the street to not have to worry about seven. So it was really. Uh, Ironically, it was the environmental issues and and safety of why horses were no longer right. That's what kind of forced mm-hmm. to go into this. We gotta, other,
0: yeah, we got to come up with something else. And, and
1: so, really, the, the the next technology that came out ironically was electric transportation, which was your trolley cars. All oh, right, and right. those are the first kind of form. Actually, Salt Lake City was one of the first in the world to do this. I believe Salt Lake was about the fifth fifth city in the world to electrify. Uh, what? What? Why Salt Lake kind of went early was because we were building, we had the mines yeah. and so that... Kind oh, of, right, right. That right. That we had used, close electricity. Yeah, yeah. So the mines were used the electricity was used And we used had the ju- widest streets in the history of yeah, wide streets too. Yeah, and so we put in, they used that electricity then to put in these uh, trolley, cable car type of things and that's how people moved around. Mm-hmm. And so that became a better experience. And then um, really after World War II then then the internal combustion engine came in. Sure, right? sure. And then that, now you had personal freedom, personal, individual... The Ford Model T. <clears throat> yeah, you were yeah. able to do that, and so that, and then when it really took off was post World War II, okay. where now that became the ironically the the trolley cars that are at the old trolley yeah, the station, know, yeah, yeah. St- st- station so, there in the, Salt Lake mm-hmm. that actually served as many people as UTA serves today, even though the population is like you know. Wow. A fraction of it. Yeah, so yeah. that was how most people in the state right, got around. That was before people, everybody could afford yeah, their own car. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was a thing. And ironically, Rocky Mountain Power's Predecessor company was the one that ran the was the <laughs> <laughs> ran the trolleys. Okay. The Utah Utah Power and Traction, and then eventually became Utah, Utah Power, Power and, and Light, and yep. eventually Pacific Power and Rocky Mountain Power. But but it's interesting. That's our kind of our, our our legacy. Ironically, that was a legacy of electric companies and transportation were were, were one were one in the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. So it kind of made sense. Then after World War II, really with the the creation of Jeeps and and these factories mm-hmm. making cars and also getting oil to be able to move these. It just we had that in place to allow for really this kind of mass consumption and and, and distribution of vehicles across the country. We you know Eisenhower built the
0: oh the interstate it, highway
1: interstate yeah. highway to allow this mobility and so that really progressed and and to the individual it was a really good thing. Mm-hmm. It allowed freedom. It allowed a lot of good things. Now we go. Here we are now at fifty, sixty years later, and what we're seeing is it's created some kind of environmental challenges. Mm-hmm. Just like we had these different, but but similar environmental right, right, challenges. So right. with it wasn't horses. in the air; it was actually on the ground yeah, yeah, before. And, yeah. and, and, and and making light of, of of the horse manure, but that and, and these dead carcasses. But that's how cholera and stuff like that would be sure, spread. Right. It so it was, was a real, health problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it was real, and so. Finding solutions to that, just like today, we're having real health issues with our PM two point five and right. our ozone emissions. Smog, emission that's right, at local, and then also with the climate change and the effects, fires that, and stuff. Yeah, like that. that we're seeing how. So we're having these real kind of impetus now to move on to to a new technology, mm-hmm. and how can we do that? And so where we, our technology was at the, you know, when, when these electric trolleys first came on, to where we are today, you know, we we've seen a big. Shift and really the big change that's happened, and we we're talking about it with Tesla. I mean, Elon Musk and Tesla. You, you can't talk about the electric vehicle revolution without talking about them. Right. They really did change. Even though you had General Motors who had an electric vehicle in the nineties, there's a
0: great documentary about whatever happened to the electric car. Yeah, and what was even crazier about it? They destroyed the prototypes. Even I, it just defies. Any logic and just business sense because why give up just the, the idea of having it in a museum let alone be able to use the technology moving forward?
1: Well, the, the problem that the automakers have is, right, they sell a car and where they get their profit margin? And and American automakers have moved to bigger vehicles because mm-hmm. they can actually get more profit. So they want to sell you a truck or a big SUV and yeah. that's where they make all their money. And, and they can get – the the margins are ten fifteen twenty thousand dollars. 20000 know, if they sell you a seventy thousand dollar suburban SUV, you know, v- right. or or a, a fully loaded F one fifty, you that's know, right. so you can get all of those. So they can build in these these profits in there to sell a passenger vehicle. They've kind of the Americans have kind of given that up, and so that's where the Japanese mm-hmm. now the Koreans are starting to get in. The Germans can make some, some in that man that manufacturing yes. of passenger vehicles. So they don't so. When they saw initially with the electric vehicle, they were going to – they did not want – they wanted their consumers, your customers to buy these high profit margin vehicles, not these very low profit margin vehicles. So so that was why they did – they didn't want to sell these things. And so that's where Tesla's come around and said, well, this is going to be our profit margin. And so now what they've done is they've really brought in new technologies – and showed to where now they can get profit now now, in the early transition of they've been doing that they 're getting different profit streams from like yeah, environmental yeah. credits and stuff like that got about a minute but they they're, 've been able to really transform the business through innovation to now they can get the same profits that these other ones, and the legacy automakers aren 't there so so tesla 's far far ahead of everybody else they are not there in, so, so, which is why they 're pretty slow and they 're kind of delaying they don 't want to give up. Their Mm. current vehicle mix because that's where they get their profits and, and where now they can't make an EV profitable. Tesla can. And so they're fighting it so Toyota Toyota is actually the worst in terms of fighting it. They are the slowest. Really? Oh yeah, they are they fund a lot of anti climate change stuff. Oh, they yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty bad in that sense <laughs> of of going against um, not this kind of transformation that's happened. And because they don't have the technology, they don't have the the patents, they don't have all this Excuse me, if I'm not mistaken,
0: Elon Musk made all of that technology uh, you know that you can it's it's available uh, you know, he he made it so that it's free for people to use it and hopefully make it better is what his idea was. So
1: why wouldn't uh, Japan? Well, over I, that? I think a lot of it is how your existing manufacturing systems. Oh. How do you add on to that mm-hmm. versus starting over? Right, right. And so it, it's an which isn't it, which is why Tesla has an advantage is they can get rid of all this legacy stuff, this kind of wasteful. Right, right. And really be more efficient about it. So
0: when we come back, I want to talk a bit about more about uh batteries and how electric uh, vehicles are going to look and how we're going to be able to use them. I know that's there's still an environmental issue with the batteries at at some point because we're going to start using a lot of those. We'll continue our discussion about driving electric vehicles. It's going to be happening sooner than you might think. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Voices of Reason, joined today by James Campbell, Director of Innovation and Sustainability with Rocky Mountain Power. And we're talking about just – we've gone from the history of the internal combustion engine moving in to what is going to be kind of an exciting time in terms of development of electric uh, transportation. And I know uh, you mentioned how Tesla kind of has let out and slowly but surely a lot of the other manufacturers, I mean, of of a variety in in various countries are kind of getting – to the point where they're trying to add to their uh, their fleet mix. I know, as I said, uh, by 2025, <clears throat> American automakers expect to have each of the cars you see on the road today in, in an, an uh, electric vehicle. And in fact, if you try to get a, a Ford Mustang, this electric vehicle, uh, whatever the, I forgot the name of it, it's you can't buy them because they're, the 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 waiting list is so long. And I look and see Audi has uh, an SUV because, of course, America we just love our SUVs. There, there's so much of this technology available. What uh how are we going to be able to power these things? I, I know batteries started out where you could go maybe 150 miles, not even less than that if initially, but now they they're getting better and better with the technology for that.
1: Yeah, I, I actually some of the original cars at the turn of the century had had batteries. Were were sure. were electric. But 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 the technology there, these old metal hydride batteries, they're very heavy. And, and didn't didn't have the storage capacity, which mm. is basically that creates the range so the big the big transformation that happened is with lithium ion technology that a lot of that got created because of cell phones and laptops that that battery technology kind of was developed for there, and then they started for the most part, putting that in vehicles. And so there's been a real big improvement in that technology where you have a real simple thing of a battery. You have a cathode, and anode, you're positive, and and, and the materials that are in there. And they've really perfected that to be able to store um, as much uh, ions, as much basically batteries, uh, energy that can be stored in Mm -hmm. there. That's really changed and transformed the ability where – Ten years ago, a car could only travel maybe 80 to 100 miles, where now, uh, you know, cars can go three, 400 miles. It basically can go just as far as an internal combustion engine. I want them to really get to that, that
0: five hundred, four to 500, only because then, you know, right now I can get with my car uh, 470 miles of <clears> 480. <throat> yeah, the, the, free the,
1: the interesting question is, do you need that?
0: And my answer is I can go to Vegas without having a yeah, refill. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's only time you need that is when you do long distance travel. That's right. So, but in your day to day travel, you you mostly just go thirty miles, you know, round trip okay. or so. So you really don't need. And actually, most people in the world don't need that. So, so, so it's interesting from this transformation. And which batteries do you use? You can use a cheaper battery because the battery tends to be the the most expensive part. Like the electric motor, that's in the, those things are super efficient they never break down right. they're really they use energy really i mean think about your refrigerator how right. often do you do maintenance <laughs> oh, on your refrigerator, refrigerator. That's you right. know 10 yeah. you know you go 10 15 years you never and it's just on it just turns on and right. it's the same thing with with the car so those electric motors and and tesla's really gotten good at at the efficiency there so the big kind of variable has always been the battery and then how big of a battery how dense is the battery because and then how how long of the range you want because that just adds weight and it just mm. and it adds the cost and so do you want to haul around this storage do you need to and so most um so i think there's a fundamental question of how do we how do we what is the mobility we need and how do we need to get there so in your daily commute you don't need a big battery you you can you can charge it at home and that's the other big big difference too is oh, yeah. that Versus uh, gasoline, you got to go
0: to a station to a station to That's get
1: right. fuel. Where with an electric vehicle, driving your your garage. destination right. has your fuel. Right. You know, so you you either at home and wherever you end up, you can charge there.
0: Yeah, because even in apartments and stuff, they can put them uh, uh, in the uh, parking lot so that you can just plug yeah, and, it.
1: and at the workplace yeah. you can put it in there. So so it really changes that. But the technology is there to put in big range, and so you have. Um, so some some vehicles now that have are looking at 400 miles of range mm-hmm. to to charge it to be able to go. So really, you can go anywhere that you could go with a gasoline engine. And so so so, but convenience is a kind of a consumer issue mm-hmm. that has to you know that that's an important and that's kind of pushed a lot of this technology. And that's where Tesla has really. I I think if you look at like why they're now the most valuable automaker in the world. Mm-hmm is because they've proven they can cuz to manufacture electric vehicles are actually cheaper than than other cars. It's it's not it, it's not more expensive, actually simpler. You can do it in own instead of oh, right, right. I think like a regular car has something like 300 parts that they have to put together. Mm-hmm. Tesla's designing that down to like 20 and eventually they want to get to like 8. in that or something. Yeah. So that really makes it really simplified. Yeah, really cheap to make so so the the big there's the software as well the value mm-hmm. and we can get into that in a minute but um that controls all of it but sure. then the battery is is one of the technology that's the most and really tesla's um the reason why i think they're they're the most valuable is well there's two things they have the software side as well to mm-hmm. manage it and but then also they've uh, made they've announced some breakthroughs in their batteries and they're going to start making their own batteries traditionally batteries are actually made in asia these lithium ion for the – because that's where the laptops, the cell phones, mm-hmm. all that. That's where that's all been made. So the supply chain is all that's in right Asia. There, yeah. And so what Tesla says, well and, – and, and they've looked at to develop these batteries. They just do this kind of step improvement. Well, let's take the, the, the lithium ion battery in the cell phone and let's make it bigger. There are little improvements we can do. Let's put these modules. That, that, that's kind of how we got there. Tesla came to this and said, well, let's redesign the battery. Let's let's make it for a vehicle and not just expanding. Right from, from a, a, a
0: diff, it was used for a different purpose, and we're trying to repurpose it for this when actually it, was, it wasn't designed to do this kind of job.
1: Yeah, and so they've announced a new battery, and they're going to actually start making their own batteries, which is pretty pretty unique. We're not not at, where most of the other automakers are just relying on traditional battery suppliers <laughs> like LG. That's what that GM is using is LG. But again,
0: it it shows a lack of innovation on the part of American automakers. I I, I feel like if if you could, why wouldn't you want it all in house? That means you get to keep all the money.
1: Yeah, well, it, it it it's interesting, right? If where it became, well, how do you specialize? Focus on your value added, and so what? G, what American automakers focused on was the engine, and then the assembly, mm-hmm. right? That that's pretty. And then all the other parts, they just outsourced that, and then they would bring it in, and then they would bring it together. They didn't. Right. But, Tesla's approach is a little different. They're vertically integrating everything. So they're designing and they're building every part of it. Part of it is because they were saying is they couldn't get suppliers to give it to them at the quality that they needed right. because they were a startup. They would get the the suppliers B team. They yeah. want because the A teams going to Toyota and sure. GM because that's where the money. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't really care about some startup company. So they had to just redesign it themselves and put it and and build up. But now they can control the costs. They can control the control the efficiency and bring that. But the biggest kind of uh, component of it is the battery. And what Tesla announced, it was last year, um, what they announced is they've designed a battery now that hit the, there was this, um, I'm going to geek out a little bit. There's this price threshold, what they call it's, is, is, it's always been, if you can make a battery of a hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. Or less. That's the cutoff of it's now cheaper than an internal combustion engine. Historically, it's always been more, which is why um, EVs cost more is because you got to buy this battery. But if you can make a battery under $100 a kilowatt hour, it's actually cheaper than an engine up front. Right, right. And that's not counting the ongoing operation, Right ongoing operation is cheaper for electric vehicles because the fuel is cheaper. Electricity is cheaper than gasoline. Um, cheaper. It, it, yeah, it, as a comparison, it's a, under a dollar a gallon for 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 an electric. And we'd vehicle. all jump on board for yeah, that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's it's quite a bit cheaper. To, and then the, less than a minute. Yeah, and then the maintenance is cheaper because you don't have to do any maintenance on this stuff. So so the ongoing stuff for EVs are cheaper. The big thing is this upfront cost of the battery. And so, so Tesla's announced that they've been able to break this and bring. it out. so, in the next few years, the problem is now. Now they got to go build the factories to make the battery. But it was it was once they made that announcement. That's when really their stock took off when they went crazy. It's
0: a good problem to have, though. I yeah, if, yeah. Because you so, on the horizon. Yeah,
1: so now they're just building factories super fast to bring this out. So we'll start seeing those cheaper batteries, bigger and which means you can make bigger batteries too. That's why then they'll start doing a truck, oh, yeah, SUVs, yeah. stuff like that. They'll be able to start making these things, and then and and some of those same improvements have happened in like LG for GM and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so that's why you see GM and Ford is also announcing trucks as well. So really, by about twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, those will start twenty four. We'll start seeing those mass produced on the roads, and 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 we'll be able to start getting those again.
0: I'm excited because I want to get one of these. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about our state's vision for electric vehicles and and how that's going to look uh, in the coming years. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason here today with James Campbell. He's the Director of Innovation and Sustainability for Rocky Mountain Power. And we've been talking about uh, the development of uh, electric vehicles, which is, it's upon us. It's, it's, it's not even so much in the future as in the very near future in the next couple of years and already existing. There are a variety of options for people to drive in a way that doesn't involve using an internal combustion engine. And you could, I love the idea of charging at home. Every time I think about that, it's great. And being able to do it for less than a, about a buck a gallon, if you would have to make the comparison. But uh, National Drive Electric Week coming up. And uh, in Utah, you, you mentioned how there's innovation here and in, in trying to help develop a way so that we can adopt more electric vehicles. And I was hoping you could kind of explain that a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. As, as I mentioned, we, we kind of got early in this process, started from scratch and so as we start putting out uh, charging infrastructure because that that's one of the 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 main main things that we really need to help people go out right because right now
0: you can't go to you, you wouldn't be able to go to a, like you can go to a gas station anywhere. Being able to charge your electric vehicles is a, a little more challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can charge at home, and so we've we did a program in 2016, 2017, 20, where we really tried to get a lot of chargers at um, workplaces so people can go from work and our ho- home and work and back, and 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 that program has been extremely successful. We also partnered to make sure that i fIfteen you could go travel. To Las Vegas and California, and there there were chargers available that fast chargers mm-hmm. that you can do that. But as we're talking about now, this kind of new level of expansion, we went from right point two percent to three percent, which is a pretty which is an it's pretty grade. significant, yeah. yeah. Now we're looking at how do we go from three percent to thirty percent. That's a whole nother level of of both infrastructure needs, but also h- how we manage that. So one of the things w- we're doing, uh, Rocky Mountain Power, is we're, we're launching a brand new electric vehicle infrastructure program. We filed that with our public service commission for approval, and where we're, we're going to deploy uh, high, extreme fast chargers throughout the whole entire state. We're going to do this at, at really high levels of charging because historically we had chargers that would would charge at what they call 50 kilowatts, which basically meant it would take about 40 minutes to an hour to get 100 miles. Take about an hour to get 100
0: miles. So right. that's in addition to whatever your time was, is for your trip. That was the, the past. Yes. Yeah.
1: So now what we're talking about doing is putting chargers out that are three times and in some cases five times faster so that means now you can get that hundred mile range. You can put a hundred miles into your battery in ten minutes. So, which really changes. So you could, you know, if you're tri- driving down to Las Vegas and you make a stop because you got to use the restroom yeah. or go get food, you can plug in, and that whole, you know, ten to twenty minute period, you can get a, a fill up, just like with these with these high uh, powered fast chargers, so we're going to deploy those throughout the whole state and so this is part of a 50 million dollar investment that the company is going to be making to really encourage uh, this this infrastructure that will enable this transformation because as I mentioned, the vehicles are coming in the next few years we're going to start seeing these trucks and SUVs which is which is what american consumers like yeah, and yeah. they want and we're going to start seeing these products now coming out Teslas you see them everywhere you know has, and, but now you're going to start seeing the F1 electric F150 mm-hmm. you're going to start seeing GM's going to bring back the Hummer make an electric Hummer <laughs> uh, they're also going to do a right. Silverado sure sure yeah uh, there's new companies like Rivian which is a, a, right, another right. startup they've partnered with Amazon they're going to make these Amazon delivery trucks now electric but they also are going to sell a a truck, a passenger truck, and an SUV. So we're going to start seeing these vehicles come on the roads. And so what we're going to be trying to do – is is put a sufficient infrastructure out there to be able to handle this transformation. And so we're pretty excited about that. We just we just filed uh for for approval from from our public service commission to be able to do that. And 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 we've identified um kind of preliminary about 20 to 25 locations throughout mm-hmm. the state where we're going to put these extreme fast chargers so you can do a super quick charge and, and really get anywhere throughout the state. That's the goal. We want to make it to where you, if you want to go down to Moab, no problem. You want to go out into the West Desert in right. the middle of, no, you know, go out to Delta, no problem. You want to go to Vernal, no problem. You want to go to Logan, no problem. You can go anywhere you want in the state and you can find so, at least some uh, fast charging to be able to Make it make it a convenient experience.
0: And this can be replicated, obviously, if it works well around the country. And so I, I was thinking, as as uh, you mentioned, like when you go home, right now we all go to uh, using our cars. We go to gas stations. I, I can see in the future where if you are a restaurant because you're in a parking lot and you people sit in your place for a little while, that maybe more places like that will have these chargers. And I, again, it, it's an investment, and so it'll have to be these larger places, to be honest with you. But I, I would imagine – that is part of how the future looks. If you can get more partners involved in that,
1: yeah, yeah. So one of the things with with we're proposing this new or stores or yeah, this yeah, new fifty retail. million dollar program that we that I'm call, we're calling it the EVIP Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program. To complement that, we've actually are working with the, the U.S. Department of Energy. So the U.S. Department of Energy has identified us in Utah as a key location to really deploy and and look at some new technologies and how that can be integrated. Because, again, the issue of how to achieve 30% or greater adoption is a much different type of problem. So we're trying to build a more regional ecosystem of EV technology that – not only looks at simple charging, but how does that get incorporated into multi-unit family or apartments? Mm -hmm. How does that get incorporated with mass transit, with electric buses and trains? How does that get incorporated with the airport? How does that get incorporated with the inland port, with trucking, with heavy-duty trucking? How do we electrify that so we don't have additional emissions there? How does that get incorporated with fleets? With this whole shift that's happened with how goods now are delivered across the country, if you, if
0: you want your amazon delivered it, that's right.
1: exactly so and, and then and then also right how do we get goods and how do we move people with ubers and lifts and also doordash and instacart all of these oh, different yeah. things ups it, it's honestly, key yeah. to electrify all of those and the iron and the interesting part is electric transportation fits perfectly for those it actually fits re- really well if if we can do it right so we've been Um, As I mentioned, we have a couple of projects with the Department of Energy and we're partnering with Utah State University to develop some innovative technology to put in some kind of smart charging, to put in some utilizing artificial intelligence, these algorithms. So as these uh, new uh, applications start coming into our society, it doesn't overload our grid, that our Mm -hmm. grid, we can still handle it and we can and that's we've done a lot of preliminary analysis that shows we'll be able to handle this transition and this transformation that's ha- happening. And the good thing is, once these fleets start moving, these passenger vehicles, the cost to everybody will actually start dropping, right? Because because now you're sharing these kind of fixed fuel costs around lots of different people. So it actually can really be economically beneficial to um to a lot of different businesses as well, in in addition to the individuals. So so we're we're working on that. We're pretty excited about that with some of that technology and 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 you're talking about how, how do I see the you know, talking about the future and the thing. I actually don't think the A little less than a minute. I don't think the gas station model is really the is the future? I think that that that's an outdated mm-hmm. model for the internal. I think it's going to be different. I think how it's going to work, especially as we're looking at some of the technology with these new vehicles. Electric vehicles are perfect for autonomous vehicles. It, it, the mm-hmm. technology is very seamless in how it how it sits, and so so. We're, what I, I see this future where we can work where you, you're at work. Uh, the power grid. We know there's enough sun, you know, shining, or the winds blowing. So we have plenty of renewable energy. We can send signals out to to you as you're sitting at your desk working and on your on your phone that says, "Hey, go in and charge." Mm-hmm. And here's a charger location to go over there and go do it now. And you just send a note to your car, and hey, you your turn, car drives over car there. car goes over and gets charged up, and that that can we can do. If we can do that, then we can really bring these costs down for everybody as well. So, so I, I I see the future being a little, little different than the current model how we have it right now.
0: The Jetsons is on its way. <laughs> hey, uh, real quickly, uh, is there a way people can find out more information about this?
1: Yeah, Yes. The, um, you can go to uh, live, liveelectric.org. That's um, part of our partnership that we have with mm-hmm. Utah State University, the Department of Energy – um, highlighting those things and, and and also on the Rocky Mountain Power mm-hmm. website as well RockyMountainPower.net you can go and find some information on that where, where, where we talk about where we're seeing to put our chargers some of those locations and some of the filings as well
0: listen thank you very much uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason if you have any comments about the show please contact us via email at VORMED at gmail.com or at VORJASONL at gmail.com or on Twitter at AD on Sports and at Jason Lee One. Our show's Twitter handle is at VOR Podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you might find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.